Want to get weird? Let's get weird. Let's do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Don't Kill Your Darlings. I'm Monica. And I'm Sarah. And we're here to tell you a story, as always. (laughs) And, um... I would like to apologize in advance. This might be kind of a short episode because it's another pump and dump. It's uh, <laughs> It was my birthday weekend, so of course I got like literally nothing done that I was supposed to do. And we are yet again recording this on a Monday evening. It happens. Yeah, it just means very minimal editing or perhaps even none if I can get away with it. And we'll see. Um, yeah, because this is coming out and. T- God, I don't even want to count the amount of hours, but tomorrow morning early and as a human being, I do require sleep. So this is going to be a, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> Things do require sleep. That is very true. <laughs> yep. Yep. So let's try to stay on point. Will we? I don't know, but remains to be seen. Yeah, we'll see. This, this could be good, could be bad, but it's going to, it's going to happen, whatever, whichever, whatever happens. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I have an announcement. Do you have one? Uh, I don't think I have an announcement, but I will await your announcement. Well, you're actually the one that told me this, but we got our first Facebook review. Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot. Let me read it. <laughs> so thank you, Dave. We love you. Very kind. The best. Sarah doesn't know you, but I do. And I appreciate you as a human being at this time. I mean, always, but. It's like eavesdropping on two friends on the phone, swapping stories about bizarre deaths and murders. Very raw and an unrehearsed feel. Perfect. We are raw and unrehearsed. So you got that right. (laughs) Yep. Yes. Thank you, Dave. (laughs) Thank you, Dave. All right. So um, actually in honor of Dave, I am going to do a story today that his wife, Andrea, requested. I am going to do the Cokeville Elementary School bombing slash hostage situation. I'm intrigued. Do you know anything about it? I do not. I I didn't either until I moved to Wyoming. And it's a pretty well-known, it's well-known here in the state of Wyoming. But I think once you exit the state lines, no one knows shit about it. So... Fair enough. One thing I do love about Wyoming, first state to give women the right to vote. Yep, that is true. We are we are the equality state. Woohoo! Woohoo! They make sure they they always have like equality state stickers when you go vote. <laughs> Want to make sure us girls know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get going. So in today's episode, we are traveling back in time as usual to 1986 to the small town of Cokeville, Wyoming. It's on the southwest side of Wyoming on the border of uh, southern Idaho, really close to northern Utah as well, though. The current population is less than 550 people. And at the time, it looked like it was a little less than 500. So in what, 30-something years, it's only grown by 50 people? Which, yeah, just a casual small town. It's just like any other rural small town. No one locks their doors. Most people keep their keys in their vehicles. 
And that area of Wyoming has a large constituency of LDS people, which is also known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons. Yep. Yes. And they, they, they still... Uh, they still make up a very large portion of the population in this area because I live close to this place. So I'm not triangulating exactly where I live, but I'm I'm over there. I'm over there somewhere. I'm from Chicago and it's a very different population around here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they figured out where I, what town I live in. They could easily hunt me down. There's only like so many of us here. (laughs) Jeez. Anyway, oh, Chicago's just it's it's a lot of Catholics. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, so. yeah, yeah, I can see that. No, lots of um, lots of LDS here. It's very prominent in our communities here. Mm-hmm. We are very close to Utah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. So it's it's uh, Cokeville, Wyoming. It's a very religious community. Everyone knows each other. Everyone participates in community events together. They all probably know each other's dogs' names and how old they are, you know, like the whole deal. It's a really peaceful, close-knit, secluded community. So that's the backdrop of where we're at. And just a fun random fact, I drove through Cokeville two nights ago, (laughs) and there's like literally nothing around it. It's a very secluded place. If you drive through it, there's one gas station. There's one gas station, and I drove by it at... 12 30 a.m and the gas station closed at midnight and i had to pee on the side of the road in cookville (laughs) and it was like five degrees out (laughs) so that's my personal connection to cookville at this time (laughs) Uh, it's kind of funny (laughs) i know yeah i just i literally was there two days ago and (laughs) the gas station closed and i was very upset about it and there were a lot of truckers and I had to pee so bad. I almost had to pee in the parking lot, but I managed to get in my car and drive a block up the road and pee in front of some farmhouse somewhere. Hopefully they don't have trail cams in the front of their house, but who knows they might. Well, then they got a nice view. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're getting back on track here. So Cokeville, Wyoming is where we're at 1986. And now we are going to talk about David and Doris Young. Okay, I'm ready. These are are two people. Yes, these are two people that existed. So David had a degree in criminal justice. He went to school in somewhere in the Midwest. I don't remember exactly where. But after he graduated, he was hired as Cokeville's town marshal in the 1970s. Apparently, there was a six-month probationary period, and he was dismissed immediately afterwards for his erratic behavior. Holy shit. Yes, he was not made to be a town marshal, as it turns out. Yes, but uh, during that time, he met Doris Waters. She was a resident of Cokeville. She was a local waitress and apparently the local singer at the bar, which the whole town was an LDS, so there was a bar. But anyway, uh, Doris and David hit it off and they got married. It was both of them, it was their second marriage for both of them. And both of them had children from prior marriages. Doris's kids were grown or they lived with their father. But David had one child that um, was living with him at the time that all of this went down. 
So after they got married, they moved to Phoenix, Arizona for a few years. Uh, like I mentioned with David's youngest daughter, whose name was Princess. She's, her legal name was Princess. And she still lived with them. And well, no one can see my face right now, but <laughs> I'm gently laughing. <laughs> I know. I actually met someone named like a real human being named Princess once. And I was like, okay. Hey, I was trying so hard that. to be nice, but you know, it's hard. Yeah. Sarah means princess in Hebrew. So. Oh, see, well, pff, you have the exact same name then. Don't be laughing. All right, Princess. Oh, I'm going to call you Princess from now on, and you're going to hate it. <laughs> Ooh, thank you for that idea. All right, princess. All right. No, actually, I'm going to gently love it. Okay, perfect. Me too. So, so while David and Doris did not participate in organized religion, they became increasingly spiritual. And I mean spiritual with air quotes around it because it's the type of spiritual that involves writing a manifesto paired with a get-rich-quick plan. I do not care about manifestos. No, I, I truly don't either. But this is the type of spiritual that David and Doris Young were. Uh, David actually spent years trying to mathematically disprove the existence of God. And he envisioned an explosion where everyone would enter into a different world where he would be everyone's leader. He called it a brave new world. Oh, like the book? Yeah, you know, it's funny because it seems as though he takes a lot of his titles from other books. You think? It appear I don't know when A Brave New World was written though, before 1986. Uh I yeah. Liter I liter was it? Okay, so yes, yep. he's doing that. And then the title of his manifesto was actually I have this further down in my notes. The title of his manifesto was Zero Equals Infinity. And when you Google that, it's literally the name of another book. I don't know when that one was published either, but interesting. But yeah, Brave New World was published in 1932. Oh, wow. I was way off. I mean, was it published before 1986? Wow, Monica. Good job. It's okay. Yeah. So anyway, this is this is David and, and Doris. Um, he's trying to mathematically disprove the existence of God. And then uh, there's going to be an explosion. They're going to enter a brave new world. And David's going to rule everyone. Cool. So um, David, remember, there was a get rich quick plan in there as well. So he called the plan the biggie. And he roped two of his close friends to participate with him in this get rich quick plan. He did not tell them exactly what the plan was, only that they would be rich and be able to enter the brave new world on the other side of the plan being completed. So <laughs> I know your speech. Oh, marketing, multi-level marketing. <laughs> yeah. So he planned out the biggie during their time in Phoenix, and then he and his family returned to Cokeville, Wyoming to carry out this plan. Which brings us to the afternoon of Friday, May 16th, 1986 at Cokeville Elementary School. He had to bring kids into it. I don't care for that. I know. I don't either. I really don't. But I'm here to tell a story. So uh, it was around lunchtime when David and Doris Young, they had Princess with them at this time. She was 19. 
And then they also had their two other friends with them. They were all in a van together and they pulled up to Cokeville Elementary. Now, David had been telling his two other friends about the biggie and how it was going to bring them into the brave new world and all this other stuff. And they, for years, they've been talking about this, but he didn't actually tell them what the plan was until everyone was in the van on the way to the elementary school. Like he kept it from them until they were all like, you know, like armed up, like they all had so many guns and they were like on their way to the elementary school. And then he was like, by the way, this is where we're going and this is what we're doing. So... Yeah, when they arrived at the school, and I mentioned this is the Cokeville Elementary School bombing slash hostage situation. So uh, when when they arrived at the school, his two friends refused to, to to participate now that they actually knew what the plan involved. Like what the fuck was going on? Yeah. Yeah. So David held them at gunpoint while Doris and Princess handcuffed them inside the van with no way of escaping. So there's two people handcuffed in the van, chilling. And then David, Doris, and Princess entered the school fully armed, carrying hundreds of copies of David's manifesto and pushing a grocery cart with a homemade explosive. When they arrived in the school, Princess had a change of heart and she told her dad she didn't want to participate anymore. So he threw the, her the keys to the van and told her to go, which was a bold well, move. At least, she, at least she had a change of heart. Yeah, yeah. And and she and the two other dudes that didn't, they all, the three of them that refused to participate, uh, none of them were ever charged. Okay. So, That's um, yeah, yes. So Princess took the van with the two other men and she drove to the Cokeville Town Hall to inform the police of what was about to happen in the school. Good for her. Yeah. She apparently tried to call the sheriff's office in Kemmer, which is like, 45 minutes away it's the where the ways yeah yeah but i mean small towns i mean but i mean 45 yeah yeah i know what i mean yeah yeah so she called the sheriff's office in kemmer but the dispatcher there did not believe her like she told she told the dispatcher what was happening and the dispatcher was like no she was like my dad and my stepmom are going into the school and they're gonna bomb the kids and the person on the (laughs) on the dispatch was like no i don't believe you So it was only when she got to town hall and spoke with the emergency management coordinator there that the police were actually dispatched and believed her. Yeah. So that's a fun little tidbit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jinx. Yes. So, well, I have to keep talking. So (laughs) around 1 p.m., David and Doris entered through the lobby and there they encountered the school secretary, Christina Cook who turned out to be the first hostage. She asked them if she could help them, and they pointed their guns at her and told her, this is a revolution, your school has been taken hostage. He told her that he had a bomb that was capable of leveling the entire building and killing everyone inside. So she, I mean, she's got a gun pointed at her, so she does exactly what they tell her to do. They took her directly to classroom number four, at gunpoint which was a first grade classroom there was a class going on in there and they just that's where they decided to gather everyone so david held everyone captive in this room using guns and the threat of setting off the explosive meanwhile doris went around the entire school she went to each classroom to interrupt and tell everyone extremely cheerfully that there was a surprise assembly and everyone needed to follow her 
what the entire fuck the kids were all excited because there's this woman that's like we're having a surprise assembly so the kids all got excited and the teachers were all super confused since obviously there wasn't an assembly planned for that day but apparently doris's confidence and enthusiasm convinced them to bring their kids to classroom number four. Once they got there, they were forced inside at gunpoint. When Doris finally managed to round everyone up, there were 154 people inside of the classroom. The 154 people were mostly elementary students, so, so ages five to 11. Several teachers, someone who had come to the school to do an interview for a job opening, and a, a poor UPS driver. So lots of lots of people. Uh, the room is a standard elementary school classroom. It's 30 by 30. I think it was like 30 by 32 or something. And they had 154 people crowded together along the outside of the room with a bomb and a shopping cart in the middle. There wow. were guns. Yeah, there were guns lined up along the chalkboard and both David and Doris were heavily armed. And there was a terrible smell of gasoline in the room from the bomb. And it was completely nauseating and all the kids were getting super scared and very sick and throwing up pretty quickly. I mean, I would. Yeah, just thinking about it makes me nauseous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the bomb itself, it, it, was on, it was in a shopping cart, as I mentioned. So there were a bunch of boxes and two gallon bottles on top of the boxes filled with gasoline. And then... There was a cord with one end, I think it was actually a shoelace, um, but it's a string or a cord, uh, with one end wrapped around a detonator on the cart, and the other end of the cord was wrapped around David's wrist. So if he pulled on the cord, it would make two screws hit together on the cart and detonate the bomb. So like, there was, I don't know, I'm not a bomb technician, I don't know how to build a bomb. Either. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, from what I understand, there is a cord connected to David's wrist and the shopping cart. Something on the shopping cart is a detonator. And when he pulled on the cord, it removed something that kept two screws apart. And then once the two screws hit together, they would detonate. Gotcha. Apparently. Don't, don't at me because I don't have never built a bomb, nor have I researched how to build a bomb. I'm never going to build a bomb. It's hard, same. Yeah, unless there's like an apocalyptic situation, I will not be building a bomb. Probably wouldn't even do it in that case. (laughs) So that's the bomb. And David proceeded to, once he got everyone in there, to go on an impassioned rant about, again, how he's a revolutionist and how he didn't like the way the government was governmenting. That's the wrong word. Governing. (laughs) Governing. I knew what you meant. And he, David said that he was going to keep all of them held hostage in that room until the president gave him $2 million for each child hostage. They're kids. I know. Believe me, I know. So he gave everyone copies of his manifesto, which again was titled Zero Equals Infinity, which is the name of another book. Like when you Google it, it pops like it's, it's the name of a book. I don't know which came first, but if it came after this, then someone should have done a quick Google search before they named their book that. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) And David told the kids that if 
David told the kids that if they did what he said, they wouldn't get hurt. But he told the teachers that their lives didn't mean a single thing to them, to him. So he he's pretending like he cares about the kids, but the adults, he's like, fuck you guys. And like he cares about anybody. No, but like anything. Yeah. And like Doris told all the kids to just think of it as an adventure movie to try to calm them down. So don't care for that. No, 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 no. Yeah. And like they gave the kids like like they, they let the kids color and like they were trying to like keep the kids calm. It was really weird. So the principal, I know the poor kids. And anyway, so the principal was out at lunch during all this, but he came back shortly after all the hostages were locked in the room. So this was before the police showed up, but after all the hostages were in the room. So the principal comes back from lunch, walks around the school, couldn't find his secretary, couldn't find any of the children in the classrooms. So he started poking around. And then he looked in the window of classroom number four and saw what was happening. And instead of leaving and calling the police, he personally went into the classroom and tried to negotiate with David Young to let the kids go and to just take him. Obviously, that wasn't going to work because David didn't care about the adults at all. So that was a waste. Good hearted, but a waste. And now he's a hostage. He tried. (laughs) He tried, you know, and now he's a hostage as well. But, you know, the police could have had a better idea of what was going on upon their arrival if the principal had left the building. But, you know, who knows what I would have done in that situation? I I worked at, this is going to sound weird, I worked at a school and they did a hostage negotiation like they they put us in various rooms and it was super fucking scary oh that's wild just like a Mm -hmm. drill like if there's a hostage yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh that's wild Mm -hmm. i mean if it ever happened at least you'd be prepared yep but it was very very scary yeah it sounds like it don't sign me up for that don't sign me up with anything that has people involved, honestly. <laughs> don't don't put me on the list for that. <laughs> so it was they they brought cops in. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yet another profession I could not do. And there's many. Mm-hmm. All of them involving people. <laughs> I didn't uh, mean to interrupt you. No, no, it's okay. No, that was that was a that was good. So by this point, police had showed up to the school because, again, they got the heads up from David's daughter, Princess. They set up barricades outside and they uh, were just trying to control the parents at this point because it's a small town. Everyone Mm -hmm. knew what was going on. Like, honestly, like I I know how fast it takes in a small town for Mm -hmm. word to get around personally, like. If I do one stupid thing or if like I have one life thing coming up, I walk into the bar the next day, everyone in that bar is telling me, like talking to me about things that, like I don't even know these people and they know <laughs> who I am and what's going on in my life. So that's just how it is. So uh, the police were getting ambulances and fire trucks set up. They had barricades trying to keep the parents back. You know, the whole nine yards, they were trying to be as prepared as possible because they had no idea what was going on inside. 
So this went on for over two hours. Oh, shit. Two hours of over 150 people shoved into a small elementary school classroom with a bomb in the middle. A lot of kids getting sick from gasoline fumes and the lack of breathing space in general, I would assume. Even without the gas, if I was stuck in a room with 150 people, I would also be throwing up. (laughs) I mean, I throw up at the worst of times and the best of times. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, There's groups of kids praying. A lot of the younger kids didn't understand what was happening at all. And their teachers were trying to get them to do activities like coloring or writing stories. Um, Kudos to those teachers because I I would be throwing up and crying. Not... Mm -hmm. I would not be helping the situation at all. So I guess David was getting more and more nervous as time went on and everyone, (laughs) yeah. And everyone, he wasn't, he wasn't getting on the phone with the president as he anticipated. He was on the phone with like a police. He used the principal and made the principal get on the phone with like the hostage negotiator, whatever, whatever came on. Um, But he wasn't getting the president as he anticipated. Oh. Well, as it turns out, there's no one in Kyoto that has a direct line to the president. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so David's fidgeting and sweating and pacing and making everyone else nervous because they thought he would accidentally detonate the bomb, which, casual reminder, it's attached to his wrist and he's pacing back and forth. And if he pulls too tight, the bomb's going to go off. So what they decided to do... And it sounds from the from the interviews that I listened to and the articles I looked at, it sounds like this was the teacher's idea, like to try to calm the situation. But what they did is they made a magic square, what they called a, a magic square in the center of the room. They took masking tape and made an eight foot by eight foot square on the ground in the center of the room and had David push the shopping cart with the bomb into the square and just only he and the shopping cart were allowed in the square and the teachers told the kids to stay out of the square and it was the, a teacher thing <laughs> it sounds like a teacher thing like it's gotta be I mean I don't think David and Doris thought up a magic square but like the teachers really noticed hilarious. <laughs> really yeah. hilarious yeah, but the teachers noticed that he was pacing around and they were like, we've got to control this man. We have to get the kids away from him, like keep yeah. the kids a good distance away from him. Yeah, so they teachers. Yeah. Yeah. So smart teachers. Um, honestly, I'm surprised the bomb didn't. Very, very smart. Yes. Yes. And they don't get paid enough. That's a very good point. Yes. Honestly, I'm surprised the bomb didn't go off a lot sooner with the amount of people and the kids and all the chaos in that room. Mm hmm. Eventually, at around 3.45 p.m., David finally has to use the restroom. It's been a couple hours. He's stressed out. He finally has to He finally has to do a number one or number two. It's not specific in any of these interviews, which it was. I don't know that I wanted to be specific. Yeah, yeah I probably don't either. So, so David has to go to the bathroom. So he wraps the detonator around door. He takes it off his wrist and puts it on Doris's wrist. And he wraps his windbreaker around her wrist as well, supposedly to be like a reminder, like, you have something tied to your wrist, (laughs) like to remind her that she has it. So, again, 
detonator is a cord. It's attached to both the shopping cart detonator and the asshole wearing the, the thing around their wrist. So Doris has it around her wrist. David is in the bathroom. And fucking idiotic Doris forgets she's wearing the detonator. She was looking at a teacher and the teacher lifted her hand to her head to say that she had a headache. So then Doris says, I have a headache too, and mimics the same gesture, 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 as the teacher. And and Doris puts her hand up to her forehead, which sets the fucking bomb off. Oh my fucking God. Because she's an idiot. And she was immediately completely engulfed in flames. So this is where the one good part of this story is the bomb did not detonate correctly. These people just don't seem like the brightest people. I wouldn't think so. Based yeah, on just, information you've given me. Yeah, you know, I just, I'm just, I'm not seeing it. So uh, the bomb didn't fully detonate. Only one of the five blasting caps went off. So one. One of five blasting blasting caps Okay. Not sure what a blasting cap is precisely, but only one of them went off and there were five. So the amount of carnage that the youngs were expecting just didn't happen. So immediately there was a Thank ton of grace, by the way. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, the LDS people are very certain that there was an angel in the room and they call this the Cokeville miracle instead of the Cokeville elementary hostage crisis. Fun fact for you. There immediately there is a ton of black smoke and every uh, everyone is just rushing out of the room like it's mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. Teachers were trying to shove their students out of the windows. People were streaming out of every exit of the school. Parents are losing their minds because they see all of these kids covered in like black soot just running out of the doors and being thrown out of the windows. So parents are looking for their kids. The teachers are trying to do a head count of their entire class. Half the people need medical attention. And some of the kids just kept running all the way home. Like the kids just kept running home. It was, oh, and the bomb had a box of 22 caliber shells in it. And the heat was making all the ammunition go off. So there's still gunshots. There's there's ammunition going off. It's just pure chaos. Jesus Christ. Pure chaos. So yeah. David from the restroom hears the explosion and all the commotion, and he comes out of the bathroom and he begins to open fire. He only managed to hit one person, the music teacher. David shot at him twice, hitting him once in the back of the shoulder. Then, yep, he lived. Then David went back to classroom number four where the bomb was. His wife was lying on the floor all alone in the room. She was, again, engulfed in flames but still alive. So David shot her in the head and killed her. What the fuck? Yep. I mean, she was the only one within the eight-foot radius to the bomb. And she was completely engulfed in flames. And in excruciating pain so i think he killed her like a mercy killing i think so but it's unclear that's what i believe personally still a dick dick move yeah so he killed his wife and then he uh went back to the bathroom and killed himself like a coward 
Yeah. And those are the only two fatalities. Just David and Doris Young. Holy shit. Yep. 78 children were burned in the explosion. And again, there was the music teacher that was injured by actual gunfire. They were all transported to hospitals, which are well over an hour away because, again, this is the middle of fucking nowhere. Does it say rural? Yeah. Yep. Yep. They were transported in ambulances and school buses for treatment for severe burns and smoke inhalation. And every single one of them survived. I'm glad they're okay. I know. Yeah. It's kind of a happy ending. If you're, if, if you're part of the LDS community, it's certainly a happy story because they believe it's a miracle. It doesn't seem like a miracle. It seems like um, teachers are good people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know how I feel about certain organized religions and how they're a little culty. But I mean, again, we're both Catholic. Or we were raised Catholic. There we go. I was like, don't assume what my religion I'm, is. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> I was raised Catholic and so were you. Yes, exactly. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, but if you like watch the interviews on this, like a bunch of the students and teachers and they all say that uh, um, the whole classroom number four was like entirely charred, like the walls were black oh, and all this shit. stuff, except for the outline of an angel on the chalkboard. Of course. No, of course. Sorry. Yeah, well, it's just a fun, fun little fact. So, um, because this was the 1980s let's add just a little bit more trauma for the children because why not (laughs) why not uh they let them go back into the school what the timing timing is unclear here it i'm not sure if it was the next day or later in the day or exactly what happened uh but they didn't clean anything up like the bodies were gone but there was still blood all over the place and the cops uh, like they showed the kids all the carnage and they were like look at this kids he's dead he can't hurt you anymore that was them trying to soothe the children that's not soothing no that's not soothing at all Mm -mm. so but all yeah all the kids made a comeback the music teacher made a comeback and that's the story of the cokeville wyoming elementary school bombing slash hostage situation wow thank you for sharing yeah you're welcome i thought i thought i'd do one that you knew nothing about i knew nothing about that yeah i know yeah i knew a little bit about it i didn't know a lot about it i just heard about it that was a lot of about it's in the same sentence (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) so that's that's that I hope everyone enjoyed it. I'm sorry it was short, but no, it was it was you you got it all. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I watched a bunch of um why uh the Wyoming like wyo.gov or like whatever. Anyway, if you if you google the Cokeville Elementary School hostage situation like the government or the Wyoming Historical Society has like really good articles and they interviewed um a bunch of like teachers and students and interesting yeah they have a ton of interviews and there's a ton of youtube like videos a lot of those ones are mormon based but there's a lot of a lot of youtube videos and yeah really really interesting interesting stuff so anyway 
everyone, we're going to do the thing where we tell you where you can find us. On our Insta, it's DKYD. <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> well, DKYD podcast. DKYD podcast. And yes. the same with Gmail. Yep, same with Gmail, uh, dkydpodcast at gmail.com. On Facebook, I swear to God, someday I will post more on there. I've kind of been a little bit lazy with the Insta too. I promise I'll get better. I promise I'm going to get better. And, oh yeah, Facebook is um, facebook.com slash dkydpodcast, or you can just search Don't Kill Your Darlings. Yep. And... I'm going to make another empty promise, but I swear we're going to have a website soon. (laughs) (laughs) It just requires me to be less tired all the time, but I'll get there. Fair enough. I'll get there someday. Maybe I won't, but I'm planning on it. I completely plan to do it. (laughs) I just need more coffee and energy. I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. We all need more of that. Mm -hmm. I just bought uh, some sugar-free Red Bull, so. Oh, nice. Stuff's going to give you a heart attack someday, though. Yeah, well, got to die someday. <laughs> please don't. Please don't die because you I'm, I'm Red Bull gave you wings. <laughs> I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I know. I know. All right. Well, again, this is a pump and dump. So uh, thanks for listening to Don't Kill Your Darlings, everyone. Yeah. And I'm Sarah and you are. I'm Monica. And stay fresh. Cheese bags. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Love you. Especially Dave and Andrea. <laughs> Thanks for the review. <laughs>